Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we're back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now, before we get started, y'all know I cannot do any podcast episode without thanking you all for listening. So thank you for listening, boo. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are in podcast land, you choose to leave me your ears once a week for about an hour or so. And I really appreciate that. So today's episode guest is really special as this person was on my bucket list of interviews for like a year and a half. So it feels really good to not only check this off the list, but also be able to have the conversation and share it with you all. So today's guest is Mario Armstrong. Strong husband, father, son, brother, content creator, two-time Emmy Award winner, um, just overall good guy. Like he's he's a great content creator and he's about empowerment and lifting and uplifting people to never settle, as he's also the creator of the Never Settle show. So I was able to speak with him a little over an hour about his journey growing up in Baltimore, the adversity he's faced, um, what to do when hitting rock bottom, when following your dreams, how to stay positive and continue to um, crawl out of that rock bottom to become stable and successful like he and his wife have done. There's been, oh man, it's so much game in this interview. I'm I'm honestly just thinking about the interview. I'm just floating because it was so inspirational and I've played this back four times already and I'm just like, man, this was a good episode. I can't even front. I'm not saying that because it's mine. I'm just saying like, it's this episode is awesome. So for those that are struggling to go from free to feed my content creators that are so used to just giving up the game for free you don't really know how to place a value on yourself we're talking about that we're talking about the the contention with with clubhouse as black creators we talk about that we also talk about mario is doing a or hosting a podcast conference on clubhouse we talk about that as well we also talk about you know what it's like to be in credit card debt and and, and broke following your dreams we talk about all of that it's oh man he talked and he also gives some good tips about how to ask for what you want and and how to stay positive in the midst of adversity and transmute that. I think Mario, and just my personal opinion, I think Mario and I are transmuters. Like I like to turn BS into glitter. And in Mario's case, from his story, as we'll learn, he was able to use adversity as fuel to drive himself even further into achieving his goals, which was to, you know, be at a show and then ultimately earn two Emmys. So with that being said, I do not want to hold y'all up any longer. Here is today's podcast interview with Mario Einstein. Hey, y'all, it's your girl Maria, the spiritual homegirl, and I am here with Mario Armstrong. How are you? Maria, what's up? I'm so pumped about, about being here today. I'm hanging out with the spiritual homegirl. I'm feeling good. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk to the family. What's good? So I've been wanting to do this interview for at least a year. I don't know how I found <laughs> wow. you on Instagram. I don't know. I just remember seeing um, this Instagram avatar with you and these Emmys. And I'm like, who is this? So I'm looking and I'm like, oh, this man does like positive content. So I'm like, and he gets, you know, he's award winning. So I was really curious. And I noticed that you were always doing like Q&As, Q&As, Q&As yeah. on Instagram. And I right. never, for some reason, I don't know if I didn't have the courage or what, I just never asked. But I was just like, one day I want to talk to him and just be able to talk to him. And then with Clubhouse, it was like another cycle of, Q&A, Q&A. I'm like, Q&A, man, forget Q&A. this. I'm about to do this. I'm, I don't even have time to wait. I'm just going to do it. And this actually turned out pretty well. So I'm just really grateful that we're we're on mic today. I really am. 
No, I'm I'm grateful for it too. I, it's an honor to be here, and and it's a testimony to you shooting your shot. Like a lot of times, people just don't take that shot and they don't ask. And closed mouths do not get fed. And so we really do have to ask for what it is that we're trying to achieve in our lives. And I think a lot of times we don't ask because we're so afraid that somebody may look at it as like their personal agenda. But I often tell people that if you make your personal agenda a public agenda, it doesn't feel personal anymore. And so in order to do that, you have to remember like. Why am I asking him to be on the show? It's not just about you. It's about that you see something in me that you hope is going to be imparted onto your listeners, onto your viewers, onto your community. So if it's bigger than you, it now becomes a public agenda. And so now it is, it's actually, it's actually on you to make the ask. Like, how dare you not make the ask if you think that there's something that could benefit people beyond just you? But we feel so tightened up because it's like, oh, I'm asking him to be on my show. Right. But is it really about being on your show or is it about impacting your your viewers, your community? And so that's when I think if we can switch that mindset, we ask more because it's no longer like feeling like we we always asking for somebody to give us something because it's not a personal sleazy agenda. It's actually a, a good public service that we're trying to provide. You hit the nail around the head with that because I was I was thinking and I'm like, man, I really want my listenership to understand what it's like to be successful and, and also stay uh, positive. And I don't mean toxic positivity because, mm. I mean, granted, we all have our stories of adversity. Now, I am curious about yours. Yep. One thing that you did mention is that at one point, your mother-in-law was paying for groceries. Yep. And I was just like, wow, I can understand as a man, especially as a father, as a provider, as a husband, that that's a that's a blow to a lot of, uh, to, the, yep. to any man, I would think, because of the fact that we are expecting men to be providers. And then there's so much pressure on, on men to, make sure that they take care of their family. So I was like, wow, how did it's it get true. to that point? So I just wanted to talk with you about how were you able to like, you know, I know you're from Baltimore, correct? Yep. That's right. Yep. Okay, Baltimore so born, but you know, all my work is done in New York. So that's like my second city, but yeah, I'm, ba- I'm from B-more. That's my hometown. So I'm just like, okay, so we go from Baltimore to New York, from paying for groceries to now two-time Emmy winner creating content. You're doing your first uh, clubhouse podcasting conference. Like you just have a lot that you're doing. So it's like, where do you want to start with this? (laughs) I mean, you know, I think, I think we could, we can quickly just start with, let's just go with the mother-in-law paying for the groceries just to kind of get that background because a lot of people are going through some tough times right now. um, And in general, and you may feel like your bank account doesn't, you know, really show your true worthiness, right? Like your bank account may not show what your true value is to you. And you may be feeling down. You may be feeling like you don't have the resources. And I know what that feels like. And that's actually how we came up with the name of the show, Never Settle, because we actually were hit so low. And as a man, not only as a man that was going through that, I was the one that actually asked my wife to leave her job to come run the company. So I'm actually like asking her to join, to like make this vision happen. And then the, and then the vision just tanks. And then the recession hits and then everything just drops. So we lost everything that we had in terms of like the the money, the savings, all that stuff got spent. We started getting in uh, credit card debt. 401k was gone. My mother-in-law was buying our groceries. And at the same time, though, I was getting these opportunities because we had been working on really creating content that can empower people's lives. And one of our goals was to get onto the Today Show. Because at that time, this is going back about eight years or so. At that time, we really wanted to get on TV. We were still building up our digital presence, but we really wanted to get to like five, six million households. And we knew that if we could get to television, we could really help 
to build our brand, our credibility, but also impact a lot of lives, but then also start to build the digital while we were on like traditional TV. And so what's crazy about that time is even though we were flat broke and trying to like fight through it, I remember my godmother paying for some of my train tickets for me to be able to catch the train from Baltimore to New York to go and take some of these opportunities to be on the show. So some people would see me on the Today Show, and I'm talking to 5 million people, and they think I'd have made it. I'm getting text messages like, Mario, you'd have made it. You showed up for Baltimore. My man is out there killing it, blah, blah, blah. And they don't know I am actually literally flat broke at that time that that's going down. So all that you see from certain people may not be all that it is. And it wasn't that I was out there like uh, faking on Instagram. Like I was showing you what my struggles were. And, um, and I was like keeping it real and transparent because I think people, they they... They value the prize more than the process. And I think if we taught people more about the process, they would understand what the commitment is, what's necessary, the stuff that you go through. So there were a lot of times when I would straight up uh, go live, like on Periscope and Facebook Live, just, just, just letting people know how tough it was and what I was actually going through and the pain. And, 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 I would, and there were some moments of tears when I'd be online. And, and some people would be like, yo, why are you crying on camera? You shouldn't do that. And I was like, man, y'all don't understand. Like, people don't need to see sugar-coated nonsense. Like, they get enough of that from reality TV. People need to see the real and understand what it really takes if you really have a vision for yourself, what you're willing to go through and the commitment that you kind of have to have. And so I just think that from that, story and from that era when I was digging in the sofa to find loose change so I could go to the coin star machine so that I could actually get some cash to put him into my gas uh, for the car to try to like get to an appointment here or try to make a little bit of money there to try to keep us above ground as much as I could with just trying different things. Some things were working, most things weren't. And what we found is that we just never really gave up. And I'll never forget like sitting in the car parking lot of the Starbucks and I was just, and I, and I, left the house and I was just straight bawling. Like I was just straight in tears coming down. And I was like, man, you gotta pull it together. You gotta come on. You know, I was thinking that I let, that I let my family down. Like at the same time, we we're also raising our son, Christopher at the same time. So it's not like I was doing my own thing and she had her income and had healthcare and had benefits and she had a day job. It wasn't, we were both into this thing. And if this thing wasn't gonna work, the whole thing was gonna collapse. And so it was a lot of pressure to kind of deal with. And through that, through those years, I became resilient and I became pausing because sometimes it even shakes me up to this daggone day. I became resilient and I became um, stronger due to hitting my lowest low. Other people have had lower lows and, and I respect that, but that was our lowest low. You had two people that were doing pretty well working in corporate jobs that decided to have a year's and a year and a half worth of savings. So we did everything right. We planned for it. We did all the right steps. We did everything everybody told us to do. And we had a big deal that was on the table that we were supposed to get that was going to help launch the company as well. And what happened with that is that that ended up getting canceled at the last minute. Like we did all the paperwork, signed all the deal, signed the dotted line. We were actually on our way to the signing party to to Dulles, Virginia on I-95 South in the car, headed to to AOL for this deal that we had like 10 years ago. And on the way there, we get the phone call that the deal's not happening. And literally a year after that, President Obama comes on TV. He's talking about we're in a recession. It's 2008. So... Now we don't have the deal that we thought we were going to have that was a shoe in. It was already signed. The problem with the deal was a new CEO had come in 
and had put a, a freeze on any contracts that haven't already been signed. And the reason why they didn't call me three days before me driving in the car on our way there to what we thought was a daggone signing party was because he's he straight up, the dude named David, straight up told me he couldn't get up the courage to call me and tell me because he knew what this was going, how this was going to affect us. And so he waited till, till he couldn't wait any longer to tell us that it wasn't happening. And that was on our ride there. So on our way back, it was the most quietest ride coming back and trying to really figure out what's our life, what are we going to do, how are we going to, how are we going to bounce back from this? And we were like, okay, that's all right. We can get more deals. It's okay. Like, keep it moving, blah, blah, blah. But then two months later, the, the whole country's in a recession. Now nobody's spending money. Nobody's even hiring. So not only can we not even get the company moving, but we can't even go get jobs. So that's when the year and a half of savings gets used up, 401k gone, credit cards, debt. And when you start paying, you know, groceries with credit cards, you know, you're like in trouble because that's just crazy. And so um, through that pain and struggle, it challenged our relationship. It challenged the marriage, not because we didn't have money, just because it was stressful as hell. And that made us stronger. And so we put in some systems, we put in some processes, and that's the formulas that we try to teach people today to really help them bounce back and be resilient. And that's how we ended up coming up with the name Never Settle. And then we decided we were going to do a show around this whole thing. And then that's when we decided to actually make that our product and really start to focus in on how can we create a show from scratch that could actually empower other people's lives. We'll call it Never Settle, but we got to get it somewhere. We got to shoot it somehow and we got to record it in some way. How do we get that done? And we just scrapped and scrapped and scrapped. And uh, lo and behold, we ended up getting a, a couple a couple of Emmys. Nominated for four, one, two. That is incredible. So I want to go back really quickly. I had two questions about the journey because it sounds like it was rough. Because, you know, groceries, the interest on groceries. So if you get Come on. $100 worth of groceries, you're going to end up paying like at least $150 Come for on. it on the it's statement. Just, it's, just, it's just not. Right. It's rough. So when you said yeah. that, I said, oh, man, ah, I feel you. So I'm curious, how long did it take for you and your wife to go from that place to where you were getting some some form of stability? That's the first question. Mm-hmm. That was take that took us two and a half years. Wow. We were riding on fumes for two and a half years. Credit credit. My credit score was high eights. Like I was sitting lovely, all kind of offers. That's how, you know, fortunately we had that, that good score because we ended up using all those daggone credit cards. But unfortunately we went to severe debt because of that credit card. So um, it took two and a half years to get stable. Stable stable income became public speaking. I ended up somehow, some way, a, a guy ended up calling me to ask me to speak at a conference for, um, it was for salespeople and for like insurance salespeople. And I ended up doing this conference and it gave us some money, but I killed it. I absolutely killed it. I'll never forget it. I had to fly to LA. I was up till three in the morning pacing the hotel room. N- not necessarily nervous, but I was just like, I, I just felt the pressure of needing to perform that I couldn't even get to sleep. And this is before I really started understanding mindfulness and meditation and all that stuff. So I was just like r- ramped up off of this energy. And I remember saying to myself, you got to get to bed. But I had to be up at 6.30 in the morning. So I was like, when am I going to sleep? So then I was afraid to actually fall asleep because I didn't want to oversleep and then not make it downstairs for my run through and all that stuff. So it was like this whole crazy thing. So I ended up only getting like two hours um, and it was the worst sleep ever. I remember getting in the shower, trying to wake up 
and was just like, you just got to pull it through for the next two hours. You just got to, all you got to do is show up between seven and nine, you the keynote speaker, you got to do this thing at eight o'clock, you just got to show up and kill it. And I tell you, I went on that stage, the adrenaline kept going, took over, boom, killed it. Next thing I know, because of that session, like three more people that were in that conference were like, we want you to speak at our conference. And the beautiful thing is those, con- normally when someone says we want you to speak at our conference, it's like a year away. <laughs> These other people's conferences were happening like that month, the next month, stuff like that. So fortunately the public speaking for insurance really started picking up and it was something I didn't want to do, but it was a way for me to actually get some income. And so I would say about two and a half years in, we started getting some stability from that, but then you're paying back. You're trying to dig out of the hole. So if you talk about real stability, I would say that was probably six years. That was probably 2014. Wow. I think and we grossed our first, we grossed our first million in 2017. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Crazy. Just mm. <laughs> flashing back is something. Flashing back is something. Yeah, I can I'm, see it on your face. I can see it. I can tell like <laughs> it's it's a definitely one hell of a journey, one heck of a journey for <sighs> for you. And I saw my dad pursue his dream and as a kid at 10 years old, and I remember what it was like living in the two bedroom apartment, sharing that bedroom with my brother and him seeing an eviction notice on the, on the apartment door and, and him trying to explain to me what that meant, but that how he was still pursuing his dream and watching him like pursue his dream. I was like, yo, am I doing the same thing to my family? Like, like eventually his story turned good, but he actually went through bankruptcy. So he was, he actually had to file for bankruptcy and that was a whole different level. And so it was a lot of mixed emotions during that time of like, am I breaking the cycle? Am I repeating the cycle? Are we going to make it? And a lot of that uncertainty, which is what I think a lot of people feel right now due to, due to COVID and everything else. Like you thought certain things were going to happen. You thought certain income was going to take place, certain projects, certain events, certain things that you were looking forward to. And now you're uncertain about a lot of stuff. So you're having to be forced to think about survival, but I really want people to also not just think about survival. I want them to understand two things. One, you're more resilient than you think you are. That's number one. So you will get through it. You're more resilient than you think you are. And two, I want you to understand that this like virtual and physical is no longer going to be one or the other. It's going to forever be a hybrid. So start really working harder to figure out how you can make an income virtually, how you can present your brand virtually, how you can maybe make content or develop your product or whatever it is, how you can start to leverage virtual because it's not going to leave. It's only going to exist with the physical. I think that's some great advice. And I actually, that was going to lead to my next question. I know for me, I'm a transmuter. So like if I have some drama in my life or if I'm going through something, some of my best work comes from that. So I was curious to know, how were you able to create such positive content and do these motivational speeches or these keynote speeches? And you have all of this, like it it almost sounded like it was like a do or die at this point, make or break, (laughs) like this has to work. So how are you able to still come out as pure and as, as, you know, as encouraging as you were knowing that the pressure of what happens or what's going to happen if you don't succeed is always looming in the distance? Yeah, no, it's true. And it's, it, I mean, look, when you're fighting to pay for your bills, it's hard for you to have a vision. It's, 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 it's like so hard for you to have a vision because you're like, I'm just trying to keep my head above water right now. But I tell you this, what I think really helped us, number one, 
we both had an agreement with each other. We, we said to each other, both of us can't be down at the same time. So even if you wake up and you feel down, one of us has to choose who's going to take, who's going to take the hit because both of us can't be down at the same time. Somebody has to commit to being up when the other one is down. That was super, super tough for us to do, but it really, really worked. So even if we both woke up and we just like, ah, I feel like shit today. I feel like, excuse me, but I feel, you know, I feel horrible to be like, okay, well, you know, yesterday you said the same thing and I took up for you. So you got to find the energy. You still, you got to be the one that's up today because my stuff is too heavy. I can't handle it right now. I, I need to be down. And so I think number one, having that agreement with each other for that background and that support was was important. So whoever that partner is with you, whoever your accountability partner is, get one. If you don't have one, then that's your takeaway. Get an accountability partner. Somebody that can be your ride or die, somebody that can keep you in check, someone that knows where you're trying to go and supports where you're trying to go. Even if they don't understand it, they don't have to understand it, but they just need to know that that's what you're trying to do and they're down to help you fulfill that. Then that's the person you check in with every week. That's the person that you talk to. That's the person that you confide, confide in because you need that support. So whether it's virtual, whether it's physical or whatever, you got to have that accountability um, partner from somewhere. So I say that was the first thing. And then I would say the second thing is we started really paying attention to when you're, when you're desperate and you need money, you'll, you'll grab any opportunity that comes your way j- just out of survival. And that's fine. The problem is, the problem is sometimes you start doing that as a habit and as, and it gets on repeat and you don't realize that you don't need to be in survival mode anymore, that you're actually stable. You're actually stable now, but you feel like I don't want to go back to where I was. So I better not miss any opportunity. I better take everything that's being thrown at me. And, but what happens with that is you can only put your energy in so many spaces. So then you get thrown off of your actual vision. So what I say to people is what we realized was once we started getting a little bit of stability, I was like, I know this sounds crazy. I call her CEO Nicole. I was like, CEO Nicole, I know this sounds crazy, but I got to stop doing public speaking. And she's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, because it's taken me away from the bigger vision of us trying to get our own show. I can't do the public speaking at the rate that I'm doing it at and still be able to work on the show. Something's got to give. And, but we, but we, but I don't want to not like make that income. It's okay. We're going to still, we're not going to do away with all of it. We're just going to do away with some of it. And then we also got very smart about when other opportunities would come our way, we could look at that opportunity and be like, does this not only give us money, but does this help us with our bigger vision? Is it aligned? Am I speaking about something or am I speaking to an audience that would benefit from the TV show? Because then that becomes a new market that I could get in front of and I'm being paid to be in front of them. But if it's an audience that's not going to be a, a viewer of the show or if it's a, if it's a company that's not going to potentially maybe be a sponsor to the show, then why would I do that? It, it's going to take time away. So that clarity, once you get to stability, is super, super important. But having that shared vision Having that accountability partner and knowing where it is you're trying to go, even when you're digging out of the hole you're in, still reminding yourself of where you're trying to go, keeps you focused. And then all you have to do is work on the small steps. We pride ourselves on minor moments of momentum, not winning the Emmy. In order to get one of these, you have to have a ton of minor moments of momentum, consistency and determination. You just don't push hard and just wake up and get it. So, uh, but a lot of people don't reward 
the minor moments. We don't look at those moments as special, but all those moments build up to being able to get something that's big or a big milestone or a big goal that you achieve. So don't overlook them. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was actually going to ask you, um, and for a second time, you know, it's, I feel like the story is, is I'm pretty sure the long play is like fire, but I'm curious <laughs> to know, how did you go from, cause I know from what I understand you were filming never settle in the lobby of a building. Was it NASDAQ? No, no, we weren't in NASDAQ at that point. Mm-mm, that came later. That's a beautiful thing that happened to us. No, when we first came up with the show idea, we had no studio. We didn't have a place to shoot this from. We just had the idea. And so as I was going around in New York City, finding out prices from studios, it was ridiculous what they were charging. I couldn't afford it. They wanted like $300,000 for like a, a week's worth of shoot in, inside of a studio. Crazy. So we had to, we were like, hold on, how are we going to shoot this show? And so I started just thinking creatively. I'm like, can we find a place that won't charge us so that we can bring our cameras and stuff in? Because we already got to pay for the staff and everything to shoot it. But if we could not have to pay a fee for a place, that's going to be huge. So I called some companies that have big lobbies, like tech companies that I knew in New York. And I was like, if we come to your lobby, can we use your lobby once a week on Wednesdays for the next seven weeks, shoot our show in the evening. It won't impact your work, won't impact your employees. We'll come in, set it up, break it down before you come in the next morning. And in the show, I'll shout out, I'll give a shout out. I'll promote your product. And they had like um, a web camera that was like for safety to, so that you could like check in on your home, like through your phone and stuff like that or get alerts. And so I was like, I'll mention your product. I'll talk. It was basically an ad. I was exchanging an ad placement in my show in exchange for being able to use their facility. So that's called a barter. So once they said yes to that, after we went to like three or four different um, companies, one of them said yes. Next thing I know, it was off and running. And then, and so we shot our first show. And this is really important because too many people don't move on their idea unless it's perfect to them. So this isn't this wasn't perfect to us. We wanted to be in a studio. We wanted to have nice seats. We wanted to be we wanted to like really show like we made it. We we're doing this thing and we're doing it right. Didn't happen that way. We were in a lobby. The lobby was pretty. It was all wood, but it wasn't conducive to shooting a show. We had to bring in screens. We had those tin, those metal, you know, them folding metal chairs that hurt your butt like after 30 minutes. Yeah. We had them folding <laughs> chairs. We had 70 people sitting in those folding chairs, but we also rolled out a red carpet. We also had like a little step and repeat with a little banner and people were taking photos. So people were making it into their own thing. We were just supplying the best we could with what we had. And because of that, we ended up actually getting our first Emmy off the first season. So people get blown away when they're like, wait, the show that was done in a tech company's lobby is the show that you won an Emmy for? And I'm like, yep. And now, so, so fast forward really quick to the NASDAQ thing, which is incredible, because at the end of that season, we did our episodes, we were done. We were packing up the U-Haul truck, driving it back from New York to Baltimore. And I'm like, this is crazy. I'm packing up a U-Haul truck. We just did a show. We had a, a thousands of viewers watching us live, and, and we packing up a U-Haul truck. Like, this is the stuff that nobody wants to show you. They just want to show you how they how they living and how they flossing and how they flexing and all of that. They don't show you like them in the, pick, in, in the U-Haul, like bagging up all this stuff and then figuring where you're going to put it in storage. We were depleted. I was done, exhausted, tired. So really quick, <laughs> that summer, we all sitting there. We're like, it's three of us. We all sitting there like, well, what are we going to do for next season? 
Like we got people asking us when's the next season, which was going to be that fall. We had no studio. The deal that we did with that company was only just for that moment, only for that, for the, it was like our pilot season. So it was only for those episodes. They were actually moving into another building. They weren't even going to be there. So we like, I don't know. Well, because we actually did that work and because we put out what wasn't perfect, we end up getting a call in the middle of the summer from a friend that used to know me over at CNN and was just like, we saw your show on Facebook Live. We're doing shows over here at NASDAQ in Times Square, right next to Good Morning America with a brand new studio that's got an 80 foot screen that you can use. We have um, glass windows that look out into Times Square. People in Times Square can look into you. CNBC shoots their morning shows out of this studio. It's got seven cameras. And we were thinking maybe you would want to come and bring your show over here. They didn't even know I didn't have a home. They didn't even know <laughs> that we didn't have a home. So the, 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 the lesson in this story is stop waiting for perfection because perfection doesn't exist, number one. You're always going to be an evolution. You're always going to work to try to make something better. But if you hold out on putting it out there, people don't even know what you're working on to even help you or to want to come to support you. So the fact that we put it out there, even though it wasn't perfect to us, we end up getting a phone call when we didn't know what we were going to do next. And then we're being asked, not, not asked to pay. We're being asked to bring our show to their studio that they're going to shoot for free in a high quality upscale. I would have never been able to afford that. And so that's how we ended up in, in Times Square. And that's how we ended up at NASDAQ. <laughs> like stock trading companies, lot film studio. Like it's, you can't make this stuff up. Like it just, it was unbelievable. And then to actually see pictures of myself on the Jumbotron in Times Square because NASDAQ owned the Jumbotron. So they're like, yeah, and what we're going to do is we're going to promote your show and we're going to take, we're going to do a photo shoot. You're like, what is going on right now? And it's because if your intent is right and if you have a vision for yourself and if you treat people well along the way and you have integrity over income, if you have character over currency and you do those things right and you have a vision and you believe in it, you share that passion and you shoot your shot and you put it out there, people will come to you when you need it the most. You've answered like two questions that I was going to ask. I was going <laughs> to ask about the importance of relationships and you just knocked that out. And then um, the resourcefulness, you you knocked that out. So I'm curious um, because I understand, you know, because I'm a person that has free content, right? I have a podcast. Mm. I have mm -hmm. an Instagram. I have, you know, so it's like, you know, yep. as somebody that has free based content, I know a lot of my content creators can relate to this. At some point, you have to put a value on what you are creating. So yep. how are you able to make the transition? Because, I mean, obviously, you do give a lot of free content out, which is great. And not to sound cliche, you know, a value, but, I mean, it is high-value right. content. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I'm just like, how did you make the transition from still doing free, but then being able to say, huh, I have a fee for certain things. You know, I got to put some respect on my work. Yeah, no, it's true. And so you got to build up a body. So I call it from free to fee. And it was a process that I kind of used to try to get me out there. So as I was working a, a full-time job, I would do all these side hustles in the space I wanted to get into. So since I wanted to be into in the media, I would do side hustles in the media. So I would work for, uh, for free. 
I would go to a radio station and be like, hey, I just want to work for you for free. Here's what I can do. Here's what I would love to volunteer and do. Or I'd be like, um, after I'd started doing my own radio show for free, because I called up a radio station and was like, hey, I want to do this show. And they were like, all right, we'll give you this whack time. I was like, I don't care. I took that whack time. And then I used that as leverage to then I called the TV station in the local market in Baltimore. And I was like, hey, I want to come on to TV um, every Thursday and, and do a small sample of what I do on my radio show. And so I was able to then play for them the radio show so that they can kind of get a visual. And I was like, and I don't want any money from you. I just want to do it for free. And so they'd be like, why? And I'd be like, well, because I want to perfect my skills for live TV because I see myself doing stuff in live television. I see myself doing stuff on big platforms and I want to learn how to do that. And I know if I don't charge you, you're going to let me come in here and you're going to let me soak up as much as I can. And they were like, you're right. So can you do next Thursday? And I was like, I'm here. (laughs) And so if you have the ability to make some income elsewhere and you can have some hours dedicated that you can do free work in the space that you want to be in, you got to do that. So that could be your free content. That could be the podcast. That could be whatever it is. You got to do that because you have to build up a portfolio. So here's the thing. When do I build the portfolio enough, Mario, that I can now start changing the dynamic to charging, right? That's what you want. Like, when do I get the bag for the work I've been putting out for free all this time? So a couple of ways that you define that. Number one, what, what's this, what does the community look like that you're connecting with? Do you have people that are engaging with your stuff? I don't care how big it is. It can be small. Do you have people that actually say they listen to your stuff? Do, are they DMing you? Is anybody listening to your stuff beyond your mama and your papa? Like, is anybody listening? So if you got some of that, then, then that's energy to let you know, like, okay, I'm building an audience. I got something that is working. Then the next thing is to think about what is, who is your audience? What do they need? What do they buy? And so for me, when you are in a, especially for content creators, when you're doing content creation, you only have a couple of ways that you can make money. You can either make money from advertising, so that's sponsorships and, and working with brands. And that's a big way to, that's how we get our funding. That's how we get our money. Um, but you can also do, you know, things like Patreon or crowdfunding or, or um, subscriptions, subscription model for different things. Or you can create digital products. Maybe you create courses or other things that you can then sell. Um, so there are ways that you can monetize, you know, things like that. You could wait to see what kind of check you're going to get from YouTube or from, you know, um, your podcast, um, which is usually a slow drip and not going to be enough money to really supplement what you really want as income. So you have different ways that you can monetize your content. The challenge that so many people think is that they have to have large audiences in order to do that. And so therefore, they're like working for free, for free to build up this value, hoping that the numbers will also rise. But as the numbers only kind of steadily creep, you're like, man, I'm already two years in. How much longer can I do to only get this incremental progress? So you have to do collaborations. But also, you can't disregard the audience that you currently have. So a lot of brands want to connect with the audience that you have. But maybe you don't know that that's the case because you don't really know who your audience is. So what we do is we would survey our audience. We do a Google form, type up some questions. What do you buy? How much income do you make? What's your, what's your level of education? Um, what, what, how much do you spend a month roughly on, on your um, mobile devices? Like we would ask these questions to get a sense of how our consume how the people that are consuming our content actually spend on other products because then we could use that data to then 
figure out who we need to talk to at Verizon or over at T-Mobile or be like, look, they're spending, you know, $200 a month on their wireless services. Like this is a really good audience that has to, they see value in buying these wireless services. You should be a sponsor to our show because our viewers are going to want to, they have to have the connection and they want to have the right tools and they're going to back, if they see you backing me, they're going to back you. And so it's like those type of conversations. And so people just don't know how to make those conversations work. Like, who do I call? How do I reach out to them? Who's the right person to contact? How do I get their email address? Where do I send them in the pitch? All these questions I get, but that's how you start the process from, if you really want really you know, major funding, it's going to come from the brands and from the sponsorships as it relates to, to, to content that's being created. At a certain point, regardless of you building your portfolio, you've got to have a cutoff point. And at a certain point, you can still do free stuff, but now you have to switch to charging for your stuff. And if you have a tr- if you have trouble putting a price tag on your value of your time, you better hire someone or you better talk to someone outside of you that's in the space that you are in or want to be in to find out what the going rate for stuff is. So if someone said to me, Mario, I want to get into public speaking, I want to start charging because I've been doing it for free to build up my portfolio. Cool. Do you have a reel? Yes, I got videos that show me public speaking. All right, bet. Do you have some testimonials? Oh yeah, I got a couple of paragraphs from these people and I even got some video testimonials from these people. Perfect. You've got a great little package already done, but you can hear the steps I'm going through right now, the steps that you got to get to. So now you're like, I did all this free stuff. Now I'm going to use it. So I'm getting you to the point of how you use this free stuff to, as leverage. All right, so now what I need you to do is just make a little one-sheeter about yourself, your credibility, some of the things that people have said about you and then the topics that you can speak about. And now you got your little pitch together. And so now, now the question becomes, well, Mario, what do I charge? How much do I charge for this? And so this is a beautiful question because you come to me now and I charge $15,000 to, to, to do keynotes, anywhere between 12 to 15 to do keynotes. Crazy high number right now. And I know people that charge 50. So I'm like, yo, how do I get to that? But, you know, many people are maybe hearing 10 to 12 to 15 and they're just like, wait, what? <laughs> and so, but it didn't, it didn't just start there. It got built up. But I'm telling you that number so that you can see where I'm at right now and what the market is kind of willing to pay. They're usually willing to pay somewhere between that 10 to 15K for me to come in and do a speech. So if you know that you're not at this mark then and you don't have that expertise yet, I can say to you, oh, you're probably around 500 or you're probably around 1,000 or maybe you're around 1,500. So what I'm saying is like, you got to talk to somebody that's in the business that doesn't, that wants to see you win, that can give you sound advice to help you actually grow so that you actually put the right value out on the table. That's a long, long answer. I hope y'all got some other takeaways from that (laughs) because it's just not a simple cut and dry thing. It's not like, oh, make 10 pieces of content and then stop and now charge. it's, It's not a simple equation. You have to really pay attention to the fact, are you building an audience? Are you starting to get some community? Or do you understand who your audience is? And what are they saying they get from you in terms of the value And then you got to start saying, okay, how much is my time worth? And how much is its value? How much are these outcomes that I get for people? How much is that worth? That's a very good answer. I know for me, like I've been doing spiritual hunger for four years. I've grown as a woman, as my my brain has grown. 
So ended up going, I didn't make it a business or even think about doing a business until maybe two years in. So Mm. that's why I asked that question because I've dealt with that personally. And I've also had, you know, homegirls and other content creators who are just like me, who were putting out free stuff and really had no intention on making it a business and things things start just happening. Like I ended up being asked to speak um, at at, uh, at, um, the black market in Atlanta. Yep. The village market, excuse me, the black market in LA, okay. but the village okay. market in Atlanta. So I was like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know. Then after that, someone asked me to speak at a self-love conference around this time three years ago. So I'm like, oh, I think mm. I'm jumping into something different. Right, so right, right. I was like, oh, and then I ended up dropping some hoodies because every time I would go places, I would have spiritual homegirls. So people would say, oh, that's, you know, so they would recognize me. Oh, that's her. So they were like, oh, I want one. And I was like, you do? <laughs> so I ended up doing my hoodies and then that launched into something else. So I'm just like, you know, at some point the transition is natural, but I do understand the struggle that people have because they're so used to doing it for free and, and wanting to be of the people that right. they end up sacrificing their livelihood mm. or their ability to survive while they help other people yes. level up. And that's why I, I asked that. This is big what you're saying, because, you know, I know a lot of people that are broke pursuing their passion, thinking that the profit was going to come just because they're pursuing it. And it doesn't it doesn't really work like that. Like you do need to be um, excited about the work that you're doing. You do need to be passionate about what you're doing. But you also need to understand how does one make money in that particular passion? What are all the different ways that you can actually generate an income, create revenue streams? Like if you if you don't sit down to understand that, it doesn't have anything to do with your service. It doesn't have anything to do with your intent. It doesn't have anything to do with your care for other people and for you to get something out there. It has everything to do with you being able to do it on a bigger and, and, and a larger impact. Like if you can get funding for the stuff that you love to do, wouldn't you get the funding? The answer is yeah. But then it's like, well, Mario, how do I get it? And then people don't want to do that work. <laughs> but but if if I just came to you and was like I can write you a check for five grand for your idea because I just love it, wouldn't you take the five thousand and be happy? And then wouldn't you put that into the program to try to make the program better? Wouldn't you do that to try to help elevate or try to have bigger impact to what you're doing? Absolutely. So then, what's the difference between me just writing you the check and you trying to figure out how to get the money? And it really just becomes down to: is it a hobby? Is it something that you just want to do on the side or is it something that you actually want to generate an income and revenue streams from? That's another good answer. That's what, I feel like there's so much stuff in here that I feel like if people, cause I'm, I'm processing it as I'm interviewing. So yeah, I, I love it. I love how you're doing it. It's going to be more. And then when I hear it, once everything is put together, I'm going to learn more. So I'm really hoping that <laughs> people that. listen to this episode repeatedly and cause you can hear it and get different things. Out of it. It's almost like reading a book one, one, two or three times. You're going to get something different each time. That's how each I like my books. Yep. But, um, but also, I want to ask you about leveraging social media because as we, as we know, I had to yep. keep myself on track, y'all. Bear with me. No, so I noticed that, and I know people are going to, don't click off of this when I mention this word, okay, y'all? Clubhouse. <laughs> okay, so Clubhouse has been on one end a game changer for people like myself. Yeah. Uh, because like I said earlier in the episode, I was able to connect with Mario on Clubhouse and then I was able to even be in this position. So to me, Clubhouse has been awesome. But then on the flip for some, you know, Clubhouse is, oh, it's an app where people are leveraging our content or, or this that, and the other. And I, I personally think that Clubhouse, outside of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, I think it has the most organic reach. 
Because I can yep. get straight to you directly. I don't have to worry about algorithms playing with me. Well, maybe with the rooms at this point, but in terms right. of like, you know, I don't have to worry about posting something that I think is really fly. And then it only gets seen maybe 10% of my audience, if that. With Clubhouse, I jump in a room, I align with who exactly I need to, and then we can yep. connect off of that. And then, you know, if you want to tap in with what I'm doing, you're free to do so, but you don't have to worry about being hidden from yep. me, if that makes sense. So I yep. love Clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a game changer. It's a straight game changer. It, you know, if it's it's how you make it. Like, if you go into entertainment rooms and music rooms and just listening to artists talk all day, then that's fine. That's just entertainment, and that's how you want to use your time. That's up to you. But if you're trying to use your time in a way that's productive, in a way that can generate some income or generate knowledge or give you access to people that you normally wouldn't have access to, it's it's one of the the best social media platforms in a decade. Like, hands down, like, my Instagram went nuts because of Clubhouse, not the other way around, because the discovery on Clubhouse, because the algorithms and all the other social, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that's already kind of, like, set because we've been on it for so long. You come in and you enter into something new that hasn't learned you yet, and you're being discovered by people that are just like, yo, where you been at? Like, that's... What you saying? I need more of that, son. Like, I need way more of that. And so they go right to the bio on Clubhouse. They hit the Instagram. Boom, follow. Like, I see I see the immediacy of when I speak on Clubhouse and what actually happens in the DM or what actually happens in terms of followers in Instagram. And that's also because of how Clubhouse has set up the bios that you can actually read about somebody while someone's talking. While someone's sitting in the audience with you, you could be tapping on somebody's icon, their avatar, and learn about who that person is that's sitting there right beside you and decide to follow them or DM them right then and there. So Clubhouse has really changed the game, not only from knowledge acquisition, like you can, there's topics for everything. You got to watch who your sources are, but there's topics for everything. Um, the ability for you to actually test out, like as a podcaster, you can test out your titles. You can do A-B tests. You can be trying, like I did it yesterday. I did the exact same title three times yesterday at three different times on Clubhouse. Number one, I wanted to see if there was a better time for me to be on Clubhouse where I would have more people show up. And number two, I wanted to see if the title actually resonated for a podcast episode that we want to do. So it was a way for me to actually even use that platform as like free user testing. So however you want to use the platform, it's up to you. Uh, people are doing panels. People are doing performances. The Lion King's on there. People are auditioning for parts and movie roles. Um, all types of stuff is going down on there. It all depends on what your goals are, what's your vision for yourself, and then how you leverage that, that platform to benefit you. But right now, while it's still new, while it's still kind of in beta, even though it's got over a million people on it, it hasn't even opened up to Android yet. When it does that, it's going to even bring more people. So the sooner you, you can get in and kind of navigate and understand it and start to find your tribe, join some clubs, the networking, insane. Like, crazy. Like, I was having a conversation with Grant Cardone, like, one-on-one, -on -one, not, like, in a room, I because we were following each other, so I could literally hit his face and be like, yo, jump into a private room with me right now. And if he decides to answer it, we're now in a private room in Clubhouse having a conversation. Like, it's <laughs> it's what you make it, fam. <laughs> like, like, you know, I'm not trying to, like, you know, blow a lot of smoke. All I'm saying is I've seen what it's done for me. Let me let me put it real in, in, in let me put it in real terms right quick. Because it, the other thing that's beautiful about Clubhouse is that you don't need to have a lot of followers in order to be successful on that platform because it's about being in rooms where there are conversations and then you show up or you, you are either hosting that conversation and other people are learning about you because of the topic, 
not because of who you are, but because of the topic that got interest in that. Um, but I got to tell you, I got, I don't know, 30K or so now on IG. And that's been running for, I don't know, three, four years, three years, something like that. I'm at like 32K on, on uh, Clubhouse. And I've been on that for like five, six weeks. And I know it's not a numbers game and I'm not trying to like flex to show the numbers. I'm just trying to show you like, if you bring value to a new platform, I don't care what it is. If you decide to commit, spend some time in it, bring value to it and do that properly, you're going to get people to discover you that haven't discovered you before. You know, what's interesting too, is sometimes follows don't even mean like that they're tapped in. Cause I actually have had two posts where there has been someone on Instagram that has been creating drawings and this person creates the drawing has nothing to do with me, but will tag me and says background music or background was spiritual homegirl and something else, or it's just spiritual homegirl. So it's just really interesting. Like you never know who's watching and even yeah. the clubhouse, even the numbers, like there's like heavy hitters that we don't, and when I say we, I mean collectively, since we have, you know, since it is a numbers game nowadays, we'll think that they are nobodies because they don't have that many followers, but that right. person that has a hundred followers could be the person that could really put that game changing opportunity in, in our laps. Let me tell you, do not sleep. That is such a gem right there. Do not sleep because just, in fact, what, what you find is that what I found on the app too, is that some of the, some of the best heavy hitters have, have, have started, start, started off with low numbers in clubhouse. But then eventually their numbers actually in Clubhouse grow, but the numbers on their other social stay flat or look really low. Like their Twitter or their Instagram, you're like, damn, they ain't doing like, how come they blowing up on Clubhouse, but they aren't blowing up in IG and on Twitter? And it's because of the delivery. It's because of what they're actually saying. It's because you can tune into their voice, not just to a picture or an image or just a tweet. So it's a different way of connection, but don't sleep. You got people that are jumping in here from LA and other places now. They got like 85 followers and they've worked with some of the most amazing people and could probably change your life with one DM if you if you paid attention to who they were in the room and didn't just look at numbers to, to give them value. I agree. Like I tell people all the time, I don't mind interacting with people, um, but if you don't have your bio, please get your bios done because, right. Yeah. Right. you know, I would love to align with like-minded people, but if I don't uh, know if you're like-minded, I won't know. So I always I tell can't my connect girls, with you. Right. I tell them, get on your bio ASAP, please do. It's the number one hack. It's the number one hack on the app. It's mm -hmm. the number one growth hack for the app. The number one growth hack is to be clear about your vision on that bio. If you can communicate exactly why, what your intent is on, like I tell people, here's a prompt. My intent on Clubhouse is... Answer that question. My intent on Clubhouse is to get talent agents to discover my acting skills. Okay, write that out. My intent on Clubhouse is to get my podcast to be number 10 across, you know, uh, the, the home category or whatever the category is and, and, and to, to win an award, whatever it is. Like, or my intent on Clubhouse is to be able to um, you know, help people with their social media. Like, it, like ask... Like put your put your bio together. What are your what are the things that you have interest in? Your hobbies and your interests. Do you have any credibility? Have you had any experience doing anything? No matter how small it is, put that in there so people know some of the work that you've done. And then what are the things that you're looking to do, or who are the people that you're looking to connect with, or what are the things that you're looking to collaborate on? Tell us 
in those bios. Like, look at other people's bios and mimic how they made theirs. Look at bios that 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 speak to you. That like, oh man, I learned a lot from that bio. Okay, how do you replicate that for your story? If you can communicate clearly in the bio and clubhouse, you change the game hands down. People start to identify who you are. They get to connect with you without even you speaking. You might not even be saying a word, but they click on your picture and they read your bio. They get to know about your story. They get to know about your interests and they get to know about, oh, maybe we should be working together. Let me DM him or let me DM her. Let me follow her. I'm telling you. Sleep on your bio if you want to, but you're going to have people like Maria not following you and not connecting with you, and you're going to be missing out. <laughs> you're going to be missing out. And, and I mean, vet the sources, of course. I know everybody said, oh, it's scamming and positioning. I Now, I can say that. I've seen that. But at the same Absolutely. time, that's with all apps. There's people on Instagram that's claiming they're All day. Not. Twitter, people saying that they're this and the third and that. So it's on all social media apps, and I get it. And I know, you know, for me being a black creator, you know, black woman creator, I understand there's a whole thing of content value and, and getting apps popping and things of that nature. But I'm right. just like, at this point, you know, I understand there are other alternatives. People are free to do that. And to me, I feel like it could be the same thing on Clubhouse too. Like it's just, things are new. Newness is what's popping. So if people are wanting to connect with new audiences, if you have the capacity to do it, jumping on new apps, regardless of who owns them at this point, even though I understand the, the reason why we would want to support Black-owned apps, not saying that we shouldn't. Absolutely. Saying, but Absolutely. the newness is the name of the game because these algorithms already have us figured out. So it's almost like we're talking about not joining new apps and possibly not creating new opportunities from an app that already helps dictate our behavior because of these algorithms. You feel me? Yeah, so and look. And look, and look, and, and, you know, truth be told, we, we all know we blew up. We all know we blew up um, Clubhouse. Like, is like they got a, a billion dollar valuation. Okay, I get it. Like, they were doing their tech thing for months. We come onto the platform, all of a sudden the joint's hot. Like, we, we know this. We already know that this happens all the time. So the, the challenge for us as a community, obviously, from an economic legacy building standpoint and, and intellectual property and ownership, is that we have to be smarter about, you know, investing in other people that look like us to develop the same type of thing. We can't wait for the venture capitalists in California and other places to try to start to, to divvy up some of their money. I mean, you got beautiful people like uh, like like Arlen Hamilton, who's changing the game with her investments for, for LGBTQ and, and, and minorities and people of color. So you do have people that are out here doing it in the VC space, but you also don't need VC money in order to launch your idea. But what we do need is that we do need not to hate on somebody if they got a good idea and, and not and not be crabs in a barrel mentality and we need to flock to their particular app and blow them up the same way we blow everything else up it's it's, it's interesting we, we can end up blowing somebody else's stuff up and then we want we want something in return and that's why i'm saying i'm getting mine in return like make sure that you get yours in return like i'm not looking for the clubhouse founders to give me anything even though I, even though as a creator, now look, as a creator, if I'm if I'm on there and I'm singing songs and I'm doing all that, yeah, I want to be paid for that because I'm actually making entertainment. And but if I'm just giving like my advice, which I should be getting paid for, but here's the thing about my advice, I could also get paid other ways for that advice. And a musician could say, I could get paid other ways for my music. Go to my website. Go to my bandcamp. Go to this. Go to that. Like I get all of that. All I'm saying is. We have a choice and everybody's right to make their own choice as to what's comfortable for you. But if you are going to use the thing, use it in a way that benefits you. Don't just become a consumer of it. Figure out how you can leverage it to do things for you. And it, that's not being, it, it, that's not saying like, oh man, you know, now you sound scammy. No, what's your intent? 
if you are if you are a bad person at the core, then yeah, it's gonna be scammy no matter how I present it to you. But if you're a good person, if you actually have products, if you actually have services, if you have things that you want to do and you want to put it out there in the world, and this is a new networking space where you could actually meet new opportunity, you'd be foolish to not use your good intent to go into that space. Here's the bottom line. Clubhouse is like going to South by Southwest. And if you've never been, it's one of the most amazing conferences in the world to go to. But just imagine you, you are hearing about a conference that's taking place that combines music, entrepreneurship business, comedy, entertainment, film, media, all this, all this stuff, um, 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 social media, uh, uh, did I say business already? Yeah, it said business, like food and like any, anything, meditation, mindfulness, health and wellness, like all this stuff, money, finance, literacy, like all this stuff is going on at this conference. And you hear from your people, yo, you got to get over to this conference. Man, the stuff that they're giving away, the stuff that they're talking about, you, I can't, you won't believe who was just on stage. I just met so-and-so because I decided to raise my hand and ask a question. You got to get over here. If somebody was telling you to do that, would you not be like, yo, when the hell is Lisa and them talking about? Yo, they keep pinging me about this thing I need to go hit up. You would go over there and go find out what the hell's going on. And all I'm saying is that's what Clubhouse is right now. <laughs> And if you want to meet people that you haven't had a chance to meet, if you want to hear from people that you haven't had a chance to hear or learn from, and if you want to start thinking about how you can build your personal brand, you can build your leadership authority, you can start creating new communities, collaborate with new people, make new relationships, which could turn into partnerships. All of that is happening and it's feasible. So if you don't want to come to the event, that's cool because you don't want somebody else that's running that event to be paid off of you showing up, participating. I get that. I'm down with that. I, I understand you. But if you are showing up in that space and then you also talking about you not getting any value out of it, I got to turn the mirror on you, fam. I got to ask you, what are you doing? Maybe, let me help guide you in a better way. Maybe you got introduced or onboarded in a way that wasn't healthy. Maybe you maybe you bumped into something that was unproductive and you thought that's what it is. My, my rooms in my hallway look completely different than some other rooms in other people's hallways. And so I'm maxing it out in that way and, and with good intent. I'm not selling trickery. I ain't trying, I'm not over here, you know, pushing credit reports, get fixed in 15 minutes and your score jumps up 300 <laughs> points. Like I ain't doing none of that nonsense. I'm not, I'm not hosting any millionaire rooms talking about, you know, how to become a millionaire in 20 minutes. Like I, you, that's not my, that's not my, my MO. So, so it, it's what you make it. And I'm glad that you kind of feel the same way. And I didn't mean to go on a tangent about it, but you, you kind of put, put me there. Cause I just don't want our people not winning because of perception. Right. I want you to control your reality for yourself. And so I say that any app, it's Clubhouse today. What's it going to be in two years? So it's really on you is what I'm saying to make the best of any of these opportunities that pop up. Shameless plug. Mario has the Never Settle Club and I have Make Peace with the Day. I finally got my club about two weeks ago. Oh, what? You got that club yes. approved? That's dope. Make Peace with the Day room. I'm doing My Sex Mastery Mondays um, with the Ooh. My Sex Mentor. It's about harnessing sexual energy to be leveled up outside and inside the bedroom. And then oh, that's dope. we're doing authenticity. My homeboy touches Kelly is an entertainment host who works for billboard. And plus it's one of my good friends. I've known since college. So we're doing a room about um, all things authenticity. And then I have a home girl. Yo, you got to pin, you got to hit me up when you do some of those rooms about that. I got to swing by. I got authenticity. Through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
We talking I mean, any, on any of it. You, you just got to hit me with any of it. Straight up. You just DM me, send me a text, whatever. Just let me know when you're doing some of these talks. I got to swing by some of these rooms. I don't want to miss yes. it. Yes. So, it's so much fun. Like, I'm so excited. So, and also for people, like, sometimes they say, well, I don't have enough people in my room. And I'm like, you're building a community. It's going to take time. So right. don't yeah, trip. <laughs> no, 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 no. Consistency. Here's the biggest thing that I've found too. Sporadic is kind of weird. Uh, and I'm starting to see lower numbers with sporadic rooms. So consistency, having a day and a time of day that you're going to actually do a certain thing so that you can kind of build that. So if you're going to do that, if it's every day, that's crazy. You go for it. But if it's like every other day or if it's once a week, like just set that thing. 10 people going to show up on the first one. That's fine. Just remind to ping people into the room. Make sure that you're posting your event on your on your social media, on your Instagram, in your stories, everywhere that you can to tell people to come through and check it out. And then as you'll see, it will start to grow over time if you keep that consistency going. Well, we're in week two, so I'm excited. But I wanted to really quickly tell you for the second time, I know you're a very busy man. I understand you're doing a podcasting conference. I mean, I'm a podcaster. I know some of my listeners are also yes. wanting to do podcasts or are podcasters themselves. So tell mm-hmm. me about that if you don't mind, if you have a couple of minutes. Yeah, we do. Uh, real quick, it's the, it's called podcastculture.club. That's the website, podcastculture.club. So go and check it out. Um, we're adding new people to the list all day. Um, so we, we should holler at you about, I mean, I know you want to attend, but maybe there's some other role that you could also play, uh, there as well, Maria, but this is like the first conference on clubhouse for podcasters and, and truth be told podcasters of color, like we're the two people running this thing are podcasters of color. So it's going to have, it's got that lens on it. Um, but you'll see that we have a couple of other people that are non-color that are movers and shakers that we also want to learn from, that we also want to get some insight from. So we're bringing them to the table as well. But, you know, we got, um, we got, uh, this is Nikki. I call her by her IG handle. Cause I like to say that she's, uh, ET the hip hop preachers right hand for everything that ET and Eric Thomas does. She's the creative, uh, design and head of everything that she puts out for him. She's speaking at the joint. We got um, a couple of other people that I can't announce this yet, but you'll see some of them on the website um, that are coming, but we are asking people to RSVP. So if you go to the website, podcast, podcastculture.club when you RSVP though there's a little survey five questions for you to answer and it's educating us on what topics you really want us to talk about so right now I know that 77% of the people that have been RSVPing they want to learn about marketing and 76% want to learn about monetization so everybody wants to know like how do we get my podcast out there how do I get it seen and get it heard or get it you know listened to and then how do I make money off of it We know that those are top two topics, but there are a bunch of other topics that are in podcasting. Like a lot of people don't even know about how to actually shoot or, or make, um, like fiction, like, like, like real series, like a real show with actors and doing voice acting. And like, you know, you got people out here that want to do independent films and doing an independent film costs a lot of money. Well, what if I told you all you got to do is grab your phone, download the app, you can still hire your actors, and now all they got to do is read the script on their phone. You don't need any video, you don't have to worry about lighting, you don't have to do any editing, none of that nonsense. Like you could actually start to create your short stories or your series or your episodes or your or your show in in this fiction form. So we got people coming on to conference to talk about that, just to educate other people that are great screenwriters, great actors, great want to get into voiceover work, all these areas that you don't think about that are happening in the podcasting space. Podcasting isn't just interviews. My podcast is a short form, two minute 
wake up and level up is what it's called. It's meant to be two minutes or five minutes or less to jumpstart your day. Other, other podcasts like this one are interview based. Others have panels. Others are like Joe Budden and you got like, you know, a couple of, of characters that like make up your show and it's a round table of people. And I'm saying that, I'm saying that affectionately. I don't mean that like in a, you know, in a, in a slapping them kind of way. <laughs> you know, I see, I see how Joe, you know, rolled up on Amigos. I ain't trying to, you know, it's all good. You know, I ain't bringing none of that heat over here, man. <laughs> I ain't asking for none of that nonsense. I'm just saying like, that's a different, it's a breakfast club set up, right? Like you got different people um, that have different perspectives and they kind of create this 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 uh organic conversation so it's all about like how you want to make it but the other the other frontier of this is when people actually start doing like um like um the ava duvernay's she was blown away when she heard a fictional podcast like it messed her head up because all she had been in is film and she's like, wait, I never even thought that we could create movies and stories and episodes with characters and storylines and just do it all in audio. Crazy. So lots of opportunity. I want people, if you're into content creation, you're going to learn something. If you're into um, podcasts, this is definitely for you. Um, you're going to learn uh, everything from the technical stuff on how to get started. And then we have some intermediate and advanced levels as well for those of you that are already doing a lot of work. But I'm telling you, get on Clubhouse just to come to that. This is the first conference on Clubhouse that's actually going to be treated like a conference. We got keynote speakers. We got flash talks. We got Q&As. We got receptions. We got mixers. We got moments where you're going to just like connect and, and uh, hook up with other podcasters. We're going to have moments where you get to promote your podcast. So it's going to feel just like if you went to a conference at a physical venue. Wow. I didn't know. I knew y'all were doing a podcast, you know, conference. I didn't know y'all were rolling it out like that. That's, that's, yeah. that's going to take a lot of, that took a lot of thought to even want to present that in a, a solely audio space. I definitely love to be a part of it. I'm going to go anyway. But right, I was so you made right. So we need to have you involved in something. We need to do have you doing some work. Maybe you're also a moderator in something. Maybe you're hosting a talk. Maybe you're a part of of a session. Like I, we need to figure out something. But you should be. This is your space, so you should definitely be working in some capacity. You know, again, right? Like that's that free to fee, that that's that fee to uh, free to fee. Like you know, you offering to be able to do something because this is the space that you're trying to plant your feet in, and you planted your feet in, and that you're trying to grow in. Well, right. what does that? How does that position you when you are part of the conference? And now you can actually walk around formally and say that. What does that open up for you? How can you use that to open up doors? How can you use that to collaborate and connect with other people? It's that type of mentality that we have to kind of really be working towards if we really want to achieve some of our goals. I feel you. Like I said, my email is open. Just let me know what y'all need and I got you. But so so I'll take it a step further. So it, so here's so you know that we have the conference. Mm -hmm. You know that we're going to need something. We don't know what your skill set is. I know some of it. So what you should do is actually hit us with what you think you could do to help the conference be a success. So it's almost like you take on the position and I'm doing this on purpose because I want people to hear this is how the process actually should work. It shouldn't really work that I should come to you. And I'm not trying to be ego. This ain't no, no egotistical that. thing. I, feel I don't want though. people, I don't want people tripping off of that. This isn't about that. This is about me trying to give you a, a nice little tidbit on how you can actually get the access that you, that you look for. If you were to say to me, I know you're doing this podcast conference. I've been to it. I checked it out. Um, filled out the survey. 
here's a couple, if I was doing this conference, here are a couple of things that I would bring to the conference. Here are a couple of things that I could add. Here's some skill sets that I could contribute. Here are the areas that I'm strong in. How could you, how can I be used? Boom. If you tell somebody, here's how I, here's what I'm strong in. Here's some ideas that I was thinking about. How can I be used? They'd be stupid to not hit you back. (laughs) Stupid. So, and for every person that hits us like that, they get the call back. For every other person, it's just like, reach out to me. Let me know, you know, what I can do. (laughs) We may or may not remember you. And it's just not because we not, it's not that you're not important. It's just that we don't have a context as to why. And so this is a really, like your bio. Right. Like not having a bio. You're right. This is why I tell people ask in threes. You do not ask somebody important one question. Like, like if, it, if it's important to your career or important to some outcome for you, never ask that person one thing. Can I get six, 15 minutes of your time? And, and if they say no, like the door is shut. I say ask in threes. You ask a low-hanging fruit, middle of the road, and then you ask your dream ask all together at one time because it increases your chances of getting a yes. Every time I've done this, with the exception of a few people that that said that either didn't read it completely because I never heard from them, uh, or they just said, or that was their way of saying no. But for the most part, when I do this, most people give me two yeses out of three. Most people do. When I handed my letter to Spike Lee, I wrote it up in a letter, met him for the first time. We were both going to appear on the stage. We were both speaking to HBCU students. And I knew I was going to have to bring it. I got a whole story about this on my on my Instagram. Y'all should go and look for that picture with me and Spike. And you can read the story. The story's crazy. But it, and it's because I'm pressed for time. And maybe I can come back and tell you about it in more detail. But bottom line is I, I've had to figure out the right way to read him, to read the room, to read the space. And I ended up being in this crazy situation where I ended up having to be on stage. And that's when I ended up actually presenting him with the three ass letter in front of like 500 HBCU students. So they were actually seeing in real time, me actually living out the three ass formula in real time, because I typed up my three different ass. One ask was, um, can I get uh, 11, 11 minutes of time with you uh, on the phone, just just for some advice. And the second ask was, could I interview you on my show? And then the third ask was, um, would you would you let me shadow you for the day, or would would you um, make the opening um, video sequence for my new season? And so, because I wanted to have Spike Lee on my credits <laughs> without without having to pay for the joint, uh, hopefully. So he said no to that. <laughs> he said no to that. <laughs> but, <laughs> so that was quick. But I did get a yes. I did get a yes. He did agree to being on the show, and and he liked the approach of asking for eleven minutes of phone time because he knew that that was very specific, and that since I asked for only eleven minutes, that he knew that I respected my time and I respected his time. You know what's so cold is that. I learned about the three ass after I asked you my first ass. So I had three ass afterwards. I was like, okay, <laughs> the dream ass is mentorship. The second ass is going to be the podcast. And then the low hanging fruit was the call. So I'm two out of three myself. So it's really crazy how that works. Oh, my it goodness. works. It, it works. Does. And it doesn't mean that I won't mentor you. It just means you have to keep asking and see when the timing is right. And it, I haven't it, even it, asked it. I was I was kind of like, well, right. let me kind of work my way up here. And then yeah, I didn't even know that was something that you wanted to do. So I'm hearing about that for the first time. So that's great. Yep. So again, I understand you're very busy. Is there anything else that you would like the world to know about Mario Armstrong or Never no, Settle? It, 
Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, look, I think we got a new season coming out for the show. We've had, we we can't shoot it in Times Square. So we, we're doing a whole new model to the show. We had to revamp it, y'all. The, the, the thing that successful people will never tell you that they don't, the little secret that they don't want getting out. And they all tell me this as, as well as when we're in, in green rooms and backstages and all this stuff. And they, they tell you that they make it up as they go along. They're making it up as they go along. We just look at them as having it all figured out. But they're making it up as they go along. Now, like, for example, I'm a, I'm a, a partner with Damon John. I've been on um, Richard Branson's island as a guest, like on this dude's island, hanging out with Richard Branson. Like crazy stuff has happened, I'm, you know, from meeting Diddy to Mary J. Blige to hanging out with Dr. Dre and helping him launch, you know, Beats by Dre for some of the stuff that I did for him on QVC and HSN and like crazy stuff that that went that was in my like background. But uh, at the end of the day, right, at the end of the day, it's like. What matters most is, were you a good person on your, in your journey? Did you care about people along the process? Did you ask for things when you needed to ask? Did you, did you not always play that humble nonsense and actually ask? And, and did you show up when it was your time to actually show up? Like, did you put in the work and did you show up to the best of your ability at that time? And so I just think that a lot of people limit themselves with their own limiting beliefs, Look, I'm from Baltimore. I grew up in the city. I, I didn't graduate from college because a dude, when I went to college, a dude, I got into a scrap off campus. I was easy to pick on. I'm, I'm thin. I got curly hair. And um, he ain't like the fact that, you know, I guess the community, the ladies in the community was like digging this, these new freshmen that was now like hanging in his neighborhood off of our campus. And that thing escalated to straight up gun violence like straight up gun violence. Like I literally had a nine millimeter in my hand and I was like, what am I doing? How did I, how did I even, I'm in college. How did I get here? By the way, this was my best grades ever in my life. I was getting, for the first time ever, I was having like a 3.5 average because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew it was in communications and high school didn't connect to me because I didn't care about history or geography. Like, all right, I know where the state's at, blah, blah. Like, I really wanted to know, like, how do I talk on a mic? How do I be on camera? How do I do this? Like that's, so when I got to college and I had a focus, I could see that my grades and everything went up because it was relevant to me. I had more purpose. So when you have purpose, you have, when you, when you have relevance, you get purpose. And so here I am, you know, being shot at and I'm looking down at my hand. And next thing I know, I'm like, I got to get out of here. This, this situation has escalated beyond just fights. This is like out of control and I can't go to school safe in this community anymore. And so two semesters, boom, I'm out. Second semester. Never ended up being able to get back to a college. I went to two other colleges since then. Went to Hampton University. Couldn't couldn't make that work. I was too. It, it, and then I went. And then I went to University of Maryland. Couldn't make that work. The whole trajectory got thrown off. The energy, everything was done. Like the college experience was done. I didn't know that. I kept trying to make it work, but it was done. And so then I had to get scrappy and learn everything on my own. And that's why I feel, I feel like the wisdom, the expertise, the experience, the journey all formulates around this thing called never settle. And it's true because it's my real lived experience. So if any of you have had the dropout situation, the confusion, had some bad situations maybe in your life, maybe you made one decision wrong, you still got time, got plenty of time. I look at... <laughs> 
come on. <laughs> I got a, I had a nine millimeter in my hand. I'm in NASDAQ studio shooting a TV show and I got Emmys. <laughs> like I'm on the Today Show on NBC getting paid as a contributor. I'm on CNN getting paid as a contributor. I just got a phone call from Access Hollywood. They want to put me on like this, this month. We're going to do something big for somebody and do some life transformational stuff. Like, like it happens. So just believe in yourself have the affirmations, have the vision, remove the dream killers from around you. You don't have time for that. Surround yourself by people that believe in you and get those accountability partners that really check you to make sure that you show up. So I think I'll just end on that note. Like if y'all want to follow me, Instagram, hit me at Mario Armstrong. I'm always open to help mentor in the DMs. Um, the new show is coming. Really, really excited about what we're doing. We had to kind of completely reformulate it. And that's where I was mentioning. I'll close on this. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. I'm making this up. We had a we we had to kind of come up with a whole new look and feel. I don't know how it's going to be received. We put in time, energy, some money, some effort. We're doing some testing, and we getting ready. We shooting another test this week, and we know what it looks like. We know what it feels like to us, but we don't know how anybody's going to actually receive it. We're making it up as we go along. So I wanted to say that on record with you because you're the first podcast that I'm actually bringing that up. Because if it blows, or I should say more affirmatively, when it blows. I want, I want people to be able to see this interview and be like, damn, he didn't even know it was going to blow. <laughs> like he was making it up and he told us he was making it up. So be willing to take the risk. And when you're willing to take the risk, you're experimenting. And when you experiment, some things will work, some things don't. The only way you fail in life is if you don't learn from the experiment or if you don't actually take the risk at all. Well, wow, that is a awesome way to end that note. I mean, did you, I mean, do you want to give your socials website? Uh, neversettle.tv, um, at Mario Armstrong on Instagram, Twitter, Mario Armstrong on Clubhouse. Oh, and by the way, on our website, we got free resources. So we got some worksheets that can help y'all. That three ask formula that I talked about, mm -hmm. it's a free worksheet on our website. We got things to help you define your mission statement, get your vision right for yourself, help you overcome fear with the fear ladder. So go to neversettle.tv slash tools, neversettle.tv slash tools. And you give us the email, you get all those worksheets and get to work. All right, y'all. Y'all heard it from the man. The father, the husband, two-time Emmy winner, content creator, podcast conference host, contributor to mainstream television. I mean, there's so many titles, but Mario Armstrong, thank you again for coming on. Man, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And if y'all feeling this interview, make sure that y'all support Maria. Make sure you like it. And not just this one, any of them. Make sure you like it. Make sure you comment and please share it. Like that actually ticks up the algorithm like that's your way to pay her back if you got any any value out of anything i said or at any interviews that she said make sure you do those actions because that helps give her more a, a possibility to get sponsorship to get the funding she needs to bring more people on to keep the thing going so that's how y'all need to pay her like do that i don't want you asking for it i'm telling y'all to do that for her oh that's dope and that was today's podcast episode with Mario Armstrong of the Never Settle Show. So I really hope you all enjoyed it. Please let me know your feedback. I'm definitely open to hearing it. If you want to find me on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube to do this, you can do so at Spiritual Homegirl. You can also um, leave a review for the podcast or subscribe, tell a friend, make a post about it, tag me, sharing your stories, tag me. Let me know because this episode was super, all of my episodes are special, but man, those bucket list episodes are something different. The One of the last episodes I had that were bucket list for sure 
sponsor were Chef Babette Davis. For those who don't know, she's a 70-year-old, beautiful um, vegan restaurant owner. And she talked about, you know, being black and being vegan and starting her vegan journey. And she's also in immaculate shape. Chef Babette is, is she in better shape than me, okay? And then Dick Gregory um, was another bucket list episode of mine. So it really, it, it feels different when you're able to be like, man, I wanted to interview this person for so long and I was able to do that. Like, it's a true blessing for real. So, um, so yeah, if you want to find me on Clubhouse, you can do so at Spirit Home Girl. If you want to sign up for my email, Tribe Litter, it goes out once a week every Monday. You can do so at spiritualhomegirl.shop or just click my show notes. I mean, all of these links are on my show notes as well. If you want aromatherapy solutions, if you're having a, a moment where you just need a moment of woosah or just a reset, recenter, um, you can definitely find that at spiritualhomegirl.shop. If you want to support a black woman creator such as myself with content that's not in the podcast, not on social media, we're doing a sun sign challenge every month where we basically take the traits of whatever sign the sun is in and we use it to our betterment so we're currently in Aquarius so um, we're currently working with how to move Aquarian like in order to better our lives so that is what we're doing on Patreon tiers only start at seven dollars or 23 cents a day so if you want to sign up you can do so again through my show notes or going to patreon.com forward slash spiritual homegirl so with that being said i have enjoyed this so much and i hope you have too so this has been another episode of the spiritual homegirl podcast my name is maria and remember trust the journey trust yourself and like mario armstrong says never settle peace this episode has been produced by producer extraordinaire jason trichodemics valerio